and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. In 1940, John Lewis was born to a sharecropping family in Alabama. He was raised in such a way as that he had to skip a couple weeks of school every year to help on the farm. And so he took to hiding out under the house every morning. And he waited until he could see the school bus coming down the road. And he would run out to the bus knowing sure and well that he would be punished the moment he got home. John Lewis eventually left Alabama and he went to school in Nashville, Tennessee. And it was there that he became in something called the Civil Rights Movement. He was one of the pioneers in something we call the sit-in movement. He and other students would sit in at local businesses that would not serve someone if they were black. Some of us can remember what it was like. However, some of us are too young that we have no idea what it was like. But there was a time in this country, in fact, for the overwhelming majority of it, where people of different colors could not share a thing, not a water fountain, Not a bus, not even a table. And so John Lewis became well-versed in the work of nonviolent resistance. And his involvement and his subsequent beatings and arrests, they eventually introduced him to another young man whose name was Martin Luther King Jr. At the time, Lewis was 18 years old, and he was ready to give his life to something. And the young Dr. King was the kind of mentor and visionary who provided it to him. And throughout all of these sit-in protests, Dr. King would call up John Lewis and he'd offer him ways out. He'd say, it's too violent, it's too rough, if you need to leave, please leave. But John Lewis remained committed. Although during that time of his life, he almost spent more time in jail than he did protesting. And then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. After the Nashville sit-in movement resulted in the desegregation of things like lunch counters in downtown Nashville, John Lewis continued to be arrested and beaten as he sought to desegregate other parts of the community, things like public pools and public parks. In 1960, John Lewis became one of the 13 original freedom riders, people who sought to ride in public buses buses in an integrated fashion. Because believe it or not, at the time, even though segregation was outlawed, many southern states refused to let people of different races sit next to one another on a bus. So Lewis and his friends began riding all over the south. And when they arrived at bus stations stations in places like Birmingham and Montgomery, there were angry crowds waiting for them, with members of the KKK, with local police officers waiting to inflict their violent retribution on them before hauling them off to jail. And again, because of the sheer amount of violence, leaders in the civil rights movement called for the end of the freedom rides. Even Martin Luther King Jr. said, enough was enough, but Lewis was determined to not let any act of violence steer him and his friends 
from freedom and equality. And so when the Civil Rights Movement marched on Washington, D.C. in 1963, John Lewis was the youngest person invited to speak that day and is the only one left alive. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. In 1964, Lewis began leading what would be called later the Freedom Summer in Mississippi, in which he nonviolently combated the inability for some black individuals to register to vote. He organized education classes which helped people pass the voter registration test. He invited college students from all over the country to witness the perils of black people in the south of this country. And the responses from local communities, it was harsh and it was violent. And leaders from the civil rights movement called and offered a way out for Lewis. They said, go somewhere else in the country. Work on equality there. It's getting too dangerous, too violent here in the South. But he stayed. And on March 7, 1965, Lewis began leading a march of 600 people from Selma to Montgomery. And as they crossed a bridge just on the outskirts of Selma, Alabama state troopers charged the demonstrators and beat them with nightsticks. Lewis's skull was fractured during the attack, but before he was taken to the hospital, he stood in front of a camera and he pleaded with the president to end the injustice. To this day, Lewis shaves his head so that all of us have to confront the scars on his head from that day in Selma. And it was three years after that day, after that bridge, after that attack, that Dr. Martin Luther King was standing on a balcony and he was murdered and killed. But Lewis, Lewis has worked every day of every month of every year since to keep Martin Luther King's dream alive. February is a strange month. It's a strange month because we all these, we have these different narratives that seem like they don't have relation to one another that are all going on at the same time. You know, at one point we're learning about black history, learning about individuals and institutions that have, begin, have, that have become forgotten for far too long in our culture, in our society. At the same time, every February we prepare for Ash Wednesday in the beginning of Lent. And we have this day. In church, the day we call Transfiguration Sunday, it's a day when we remember that Jesus was on the mountain and Moses and Elijah appeared on either side. It's a day that we read a story about the prophet Elijah and his disciple Elisha who would take up the mantle and continue his work. We remember these things because they're all about transfiguration. They're all about being changed for the glory of God. And all of us, In some way, shape, or form, we have experienced moments of transfiguration. Those times and events that have dramatically reshaped the way we understand the world. If any of us had a map of our lives, you'd be able to locate those big and bold cities of change. You know, those places that are obvious in retrospect. They can be as big as Gilgal, where the Israelites camped after crossing the Jordan. Or Bethel the sacred temple site, or Jericho, the city where the Israelites defeated the enemy. 
Those moments when we look back in our life, they could be as big and bold as Birmingham or Montgomery or Selma. These locations are important because they reveal a lens about where we were, but they also play a role in our future as well. When Elisha was with his friend and mentor going to the big, bold places, he was experiencing the past of the people of God while preparing to hold the mantle for the future. When the disciples witnessed their friend and Lord transfigured before them, they were at once seeing the entire history of their people while also getting a foretaste of the future. When John Lewis marched and protested those now infamous moments, he was carrying the history of his people while believing in a dream that a better day was yet to come. We are who we are because of the people who paved the way for us. We are who we are because of the transfigured moments that show up on the map of our histories. But the truth is that the most transformative moments tend to happen outside of the big landmarks, in the days of everyday living, in the ordinary time. Transfiguration takes place in the conversations between a prophet and his student on his way to the next town. Transfigure takes place at a table where a teacher takes a loaf of bread and a cup and hands it to his disciples. Transfiguration takes place in the linked arms of a protest going across a bridge to certain doom. And that's why we celebrate the transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain. It's why we remember the journey of Elijah and Elisha from one place to the next. It's why we take the time to learn about the struggles of a people in this country who are still suffering under the weight of prejudice and racism even today. Elisha, the disciples, John Lewis, all of them were given chances to leave. There were moments before them when the path was clear, the path of violence and of retribution, and they stayed the course. The work of the Lord of going to the margins for the sake of people on the margins, it's not an easy thing. For many, it results in punishment, isolation, and even death. Yet it was staying the course that transfigured their lives, and not only their lives, but all of space and time. Elijah and Elisha were standing by the Jordan River. Elijah took off his mantle, he rolled it up, and he struck the water. And just like in the days of Moses, the water was parted to let them pass to the other side. And in their final conversation, Elisha asked the prophet for a double share of the Spirit. And Elijah was taken up on a whirlwind of the Lord. And when that was done, Elisha tore his clothes in two pieces. The disciples who were on the mountain with Jesus during the transfiguration, they stayed with him almost to the very end, seeing him hang on the hard wood of the cross. And in the wake of his death, they grieved and tore their garments as well. John Lewis continued the hard work of the civil rights movement, knowing that his life could have ended many times just like it had ended for Martin Luther King Jr. And that's why we remember It's why we take the time to read the stories and sing the songs and offer the prayers because these stories are who we are. We are there with Elisha crying into the void. We are there with the disciples shielding our eyes from the transfiguration. We are there with John Lewis marching across a bridge. We do this because it is in looking back that the light of Christ shines before us. It's a light that says, go down off the mountain. 
It's a light that says go through the river. It's a light that says go across the bridge. It is this light, it is Christ's light that propels us back to the future while seeing how far we've come and knowing how far we still have to go. So may we all be transfigured like Elisha, like Jesus, and even like John Lewis. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen. Amen. Would you all please pray with me? Almighty God, we are bold to pray that you might comfort those of us who are afflicted and that you might afflict those of us who are far too comfortable. Far too comfortable with the status quo, far too comfortable with the way the world looks, far too comfortable with another day and another day and another day. Lord, afflict us who are too comfortable, that we might see that Dr. King's dream has not come to fruition yet, that there is still work to be done, that your son's vision for the kingdom of God has not come to fruition yet, and that there is work to be done, that Elisha's vision for the future is still being worked out, and there is work for us to do. Afflict us who are far too comfortable, O God, so that we might be the people who comfort those who are afflicted, knowing full and well what it might cost. And all God's people say, Amen. Just as God has gathered us here in this place, just as God sent us the prophets Elijah and Elisha and Jesus and the disciples and even our modern day prophet John Lewis, so too God calls us to serve those who are in need, to be a community that is a haven of peace and of love. And we do that with the giving of ourselves, the giving of our prayers, the giving of our time, and the giving of our offerings. So ushers, come receive our gifts.